Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Hey there. Welcome to today's program. Delighted to have you with me, as always. Um, These are your 45 minutes. That's why we do this every week during the school year, because um, lots of folks out there are eager to understand their challenging child better, see the child through compassionate, accurate, productive lenses, intervene in ways that actually work, don't make things worse, bring some sanity back into their household, get their relationship back with their kid. Quite an agenda we have every 45 minutes here every week. Um, What are we going to be doing today? Well, we're going to be doing what we always do. We're going to be um, taking some phone calls. We already have somebody standing by. We're going to be answering as many emails as we possibly can. Uh, That's what we do to try to be supportive and to try to educate and to try to help people uh, implement collaborative problem solving as well as possible. So this is, as always, your opportunity to call in, comment, ask questions, get the support you need, or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem solving approach. If you do want to call in, once again, that call in number is 347-994-2981. And as always, and a lot of folks seem to prefer this. If you're a little hesitant to call in, you can always send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.livesinthebalance.org. And as I mentioned, we have a caller already. So let's um, we prioritize callers on this program. I've got a ton of email to catch up on, but uh, callers take priority. That's probably why I'm so far behind on email, but that's okay. Um, we want to hear from you. Uh, Caller from area code 973, you're on the air. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I appreciate it. Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you great. Hello? Okay, good. Um, well, I had I had emailed you earlier, and I um, gave a little bit of background in the email, but I'll just say a couple of things about um, my 8-year-old son that I've been trying to work with. Yes, um, don't don't use any names. Be sure of that. But also no. give us what background information you can, because even though I've got some background, uh, people who are listening won't. So right, don't, right. it's not just me who you're talking to. It's lots of folks. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, with my son, one of the – we have many, many issues, unsolved problems. And I guess I would say that I, within the last, say, three months, I started reading your books and learning about Plan B and kind of trying to – start implementing that and so 
I initially was thinking that Plan B would work out very quickly and easily, which clearly wasn't the case. And so I've been working on that ever since, trying to kind of find ways to make it work. And the reason I'd written was because um, I feel like I'm coming up kind of against a wall and not really sure where to go from here. And I'll just give you an example of the the main problem that I decided to start with initially and how that's gone. So um, with my 8-year-old, he shares a room with his brother, who's 10, and he has a, quite a lot of feelings of sibling rivalry with him. Um, and at, in the evenings, typically, we, my husband and I, we each read to one of them, and then kind of date, and they both go to bed in the same room. But the reading happens in two different rooms. And so recently, I've been reading to his older brother, and then when it's time for them to finish up, um, my eight-year-old comes in and typically makes a lot of noise, kind of interrupts if we're still reading. He turns the light off and on, several things that kind of are distracting and um, bothersome. So um, I decided, well, that's a good place to start because it's predictable. It's pretty much every single day. Um, yes. And so uh, I started to try to talk to him and you know, initially just tried to put it out there at a time, proactive plan B, and say, you know, I've noticed that when you come in in the evening before bedtime, you're making a, a fair bit of noise and, um, and you know, so on. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, what's going on? And he, if he reacts, if, if he responded at all, it was something like, well, it's just fun. And um, typically whenever I try to talk to him about it or anything else, he tends to run out of the room. Um, he may just say some quick response like that and then generally tries to escape the conversation. Um, so I tried setting a time with him to talk. Maybe that wasn't the right time. I tried inviting him out to talk, um, see if he would be excited about going out with me. Um, he actually thought about that and, and decided against it. Um, came back to me later and said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I tried, I asked my husband to try to have a conversation maybe, you know, with something about my dynamic with him that I couldn't put a finger on. And it's a little different with my husband, but he pretty much gets the same answer. He just, he doesn't run out as quickly from the conversation with him, but he still doesn't seem to be getting anywhere in terms of getting at what the problem is. Um, and I tried the idea of kind of, engaging with him about something else because maybe I'm just feeding this particular topic too much. Mm -hmm. um, like if he brings up something, he often brings up something about school. You know, he's, he's very angry with his teachers. Um, they're very unfair about this and that. So I thought, well, that's something he does talk to me about, so maybe I could engage with him on that. But it seems like as soon as I kind of talk, comment even, he often gets mad at me for whatever I say. So I'm just feeling like I'm not quite sure where to go from here with, you know, a, a way to try to approach it. Got it. Well, first of all, thank you for calling. Now some questions. Is there anything about your son that we should know that would suggest any reason that engaging him in conversation at all would be difficult for him? I don't think so. I mean, he does, I've you know, thought about that. He does 
talk. You know, he talks about things he's interested in that are more abstract and not personal conversations. He's not he's not big on that. Um, but I can't really think of anything in particular, no, that, that makes well, it difficult. Well, the reason I'm asking... Yeah. The reason I'm asking is because it sounds like you've tried to engage him in other conversations mm-hmm. about things that are perhaps more benign, things that are not unsolved problems, things that you're not right. concerned about. Is he able to do that with you? Yeah, definitely. He can he can talk about other things that he's interested in without a problem. Okay. And those conversations suggest to you that He's able to understand what you're saying, and he's able to formulate his own thoughts and express them in words, yes? Yes, definitely. All right. Any theories? I've got some more questions here. You've got me intrigued. Mm-hmm. As always, by the way, I'm always most intrigued when I'm trying to troubleshoot or mm-hmm. get a fix on why a child isn't responding the way we'd like with the information we're looking for when we're inquiring about an unsolved problem. That's always Mm -hmm. fascinating to me. Of course, I have a jaded sense of the fascinating, but that's the business I happen to be in. Any theories about why he might be a little bit more informative with your husband? I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think my husband is... I think definitely the more seen by all the children in the house. We have three sons. Um, he's more authoritarian or authoritative than I am. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he tends to to be, they see him as more of the final word on things. Um, and yet, I guess in my thinking of it, I mean, because I, I have a pretty close relationship with all three of them. And so in terms of um, being a comfortable person to talk to, I'm not sure why he would be more comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I, I wish I had some theory because I've thought about that a lot too. Um, I think maybe I'm a little bit. I, I tend to take more on, like for example, one of the things my son also has done during these attempts. When he gets angry, I mean, when he has an explosion kind of moment, his place to go is um, name calling and. Um, even some physical, not a lot of physical, it's it's nothing that really hurts, but he might kick me, for example, or um, he's actually hit me on the hand, and he will call me names quite a bit. So mm-hmm. that's something he doesn't really do as much as my husband. So um, I think I'm easier to attack, in a sense, for him, But and so maybe it's easier to run away from me if he feels threatened, too. He doesn't feel like he is as obliged to stay with me on something if it's not easy for him. Yes. Sorry about that phone ringing. I always forget to turn it off. (laughs) Um, And did again today. Um, But now it's off. So, a few possibilities here. First of all, has Plan B, have you made any headway on anything with Plan B, or is this the first thing you started with? Well, I've actually had a little bit more success with using emergency plan B than proactive mm-hmm. plan B, just on okay. a couple small things. You yeah. know, like when will we do your homework? 
Um, we figured it out that way once when he was really not wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. So there have been a couple things like that that I thought, oh, you know, we actually figured something out just now. Um, I wouldn't call it an in-depth plan B at all. I don't think yeah, I really yeah. got, you know, too far into what was holding him up from the problem. But at least we came to a, we, we figured out the problem yes. in the moment. But in terms of a proactive plan B, I couldn't say I ever had a really truly successful go at it. Got it. So a few suggestions. I'm... You know, it sounds like you've done a lot of the things already that I would suggest. Number one, you're being proactive instead of emergent. That's usually better. That's usually Uh better. Secondly, it sounds to me, I always listen very carefully, like you're starting with a pretty specific unsolved problem. One other reason that... so, So one reason... Plan B can go awry quickly is because people are using it in the heat of the moment. You're not. Uh, in the, in the yeah. instance of him not talking to you, you're not. Another reason Plan B can go awry is because we're starting with a behavior uh, instead of a very specific unsolved problem. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like you're being... It, I mean, it is a behavior that you're describing to him, Mm-hmm. But I think it qualifies as an unsolved problem. When you're reading to your older son, he comes in and starts flicking the light on and off and being disruptive. And I think okay. that's pretty specific. You've tried making an appointment with him uh, and telling him what it was that you wanted to talk with him about ahead of time. That is another way in which Plan B can go awry is that even though we're being proactive about it, we are surprising the child with both the timing and the topic. And so you've knocked that one out by making an appointment with him. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the usual suspect, and you're letting me know that linguistically, in terms of his communication skills, you feel quite certain that he's able to understand what you're asking and he's able to formulate his thoughts and put them into words. So many of the usual suspects uh, are apparently being knocked out of consideration here for what might be getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's not knowing him um, and having the usual things knocked out at the moment. Um, two suggestions. One is, I wonder if we might want to try a different unsolved problem. I don't, maybe okay. this particular one is a non-starter. Mm-hmm. But secondly, so that's that's possibility number one. Um, th- this might be a non-starter. Uh, it's a, um, and I will say this: he did give you some information. You you did yeah. extract. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. And and I wouldn't call that no information. I would call that some information. Mm-hmm. If he's still sitting there, uh, uh, you mentioned that sometimes he'll run away. Right. The question is, if you were to raise it again, um, what would that sound like to see if we could give you better headway? Well, first of all, I would I would stick with the making an appointment part, but I think that as I'm making the appointment, I would probably say it the following way. First of all, once again, you have one option, and that is to not stick with this particular unsolved problem and move on to a different one. So I'm putting that mm-hmm. one aside for now. That's always an option for you. Second mm-hmm. option is to say, you know what? We, you and I have some great talks sometimes, 
But I noticed one of the things that it seems to be hard for us to talk about is that thing about when I sometimes bring up you coming into the room when I'm reading to your brother and turning the lights on. And it's kind of curious about why it's easier for us to talk about some things and not others. And I would like to talk with you about that. When would be a good time for us to talk about that? So now you're not talking about that specific unsolved problem anymore. Mm-hmm. You've moved on to a different issue that you'd like to gather information about, and that is why some topics are easier for us to talk about than others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That might be a productive conversation to have. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that um, there are some things he's able to talk with you about. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in why this one is harder to talk about. And so now I'm not actually drilling for information about him turning the lights on. I'm drilling for information about why that's hard for us to talk about, given that there's other things we talk about without much trouble. Mm-hmm. But I would mm-hmm. I would announce that to him ahead of time, that that's what you'd like to talk with him about, to give him a bit of a chance to think about it. And even in just announcing it, some kids will say, I can tell you right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. You sure you want? You sure you want to tell me now? Because uh, I want to make this as easy for us to talk about as possible. Yeah, I'll tell you now. And so, okay, you might be getting information right there that mm-hmm. will let you know why this particular topic is hard, whereas other topics are not. That's a piece of information I'd love to have. Now, if you had said to me, "We never talk," the mm-hmm. conversation would be about a slightly different topic. I've mm-hmm. noticed you and I used to talk a lot, but we don't talk much anymore. What's up? But that's not this one. This mm-hmm. one is, you and I have some great talks sometimes, but there's one thing I've found that we're having trouble talking about. Uh, the thing about you turning the lights on when I'm reading to your brother on and off. What's? And I'd like to talk with you about that. When would be a good time? So I'm repeating myself, but it's a slightly different topic right. that you're raising with him. Now, mm-hmm. let me... Now we're guessing, which I hate doing, but any guesses about what he might say? I'm anticipating him saying he doesn't want to have a conversation. And the reason I say that is because the other thing I tried, which is similar, but I think you have a different vent on it, so I definitely will try this. But I I did try to tell him I would like to talk to him about how why it's hard to talk. About what? So I did about why it is hard to talk for us. You okay. Know, why it is, why it's hard to have these conversations about problems or about you know just why he doesn't really want to talk to me. Yep. I had told him that I'd like to talk to him about that, but I think the way you framed it is different. So I think um, I will definitely try. I'm a, I'm a little bit afraid that he will just see it as a very similar concept though and say no, I don't want to I don't want to talk to you. But well, I guess okay. we'll find out. Um, yeah. And here's something, another interesting point, and that is, you know, a lot of parents are persistent in, uh, and you've been persistent here, but um, one of my two children is sometimes not so eager to talk, I think, for different mm-hmm. dynamics. But um, I will be insistent that, well, this is, you know, we can't, not talk about it forever. We, I just really want to know what's going on, so when would be a good time for us to talk? And 
he or she, I don't want to be specific about which kid, he or she will say, well, never would be a good time for us to talk. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I know that never would be a good time for us to talk, but this is one that I really feel like I need to know more about. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't think never is going to actually be an option here. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's figure out when would be a good time for us to talk about it. So I'm not sure exactly how you might transform that same sort of persistence into um, letting him know that this is something that you really do feel like you need to talk with him about. But now mm-hmm. the unsolved problem has actually switched a little bit, and yeah. you can even say this to him. I'm not, you know what, buddy? I'm I'm off of the turning the lights on and off thing. I'm actually at the moment just interested in knowing not about that, but about why that's hard for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Now, he might mm-hmm. say, um, I just don't want to. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've said that before. The problem is that doesn't really give me enough information about why you don't want to. So that's what I'm curious about at this point. Why is that hard for us to talk about? And there's other things that are not so hard for us to talk about. Um, what's mm-hmm. different about that compared to some of the other things that we don't seem to have a hard time talking about at all? And let's see... Right if you get anything further. But once again, now we've moved off of why you're turning the lights on and off when I'm reading to your brother and on to why is it harder for us to talk about some things than others? What's different? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, who, who knows? Well, you know, we're, we're going to stick with this. You're welcome to call in any time. That's without knowing your son. Um, the best I can often do is give you fairly generic uh, guidance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you do have an option, and that is, um, do you have guesses? Educated guessing is not criminal in the empathy step, especially if you're not getting an information. Um, and we can be creative about our guesses. We don't have to do guesses verbally. We can do guesses um, by having a little list that we hand him and ask him to check one off. You know, We're, we're just looking for information yeah. here. We're not too picky about how we go about getting it. Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, any theories I mean I have one theory but I don't know him you you know him better any theories about why that topic is harder or anything you want to talk to him about that's a problem is harder than topics that are not related to problems any theories about that that you might be able to throw into the hopper I mean certainly I think we have we do have a history in our family of talking about things. We haven't talked about, um, you know, we've had family meetings and that kind of thing. And so I think we didn't approach it, you know, prior to learning about Plan B, collaborative problem solving. We didn't approach it quite the same way. And I wonder if it if it came across more as a punitive kind of a thing, even though we tried to make it collaborative in our own way, like, you know, how can each person contribute in a positive way, that sort of thing. Um and so I I wonder if maybe when I approach him it feels like that. It feels like oh like he's in trouble. You know. We're going down that road. And I've tried yes. to reassure him that this isn't about being in trouble and you know, it's purely just informational and trying to figure out stuff out. But um that So is one, one question you could ask him is is there something about how I raised the topic that was hard? Um, mm-hmm. something about how I raised the topic that made you think that you were in trouble. There's something about how I raised the topic that made you think this was different 
than other conversations we have in our family about things we're working on. Um, you've got theories. And so mm-hmm. if, if I mean, worst case scenario, I, sometimes I refer to hypothesis testing or educated guessing as, um, you know, your last resort, but, but that doesn't mean it's a bad resort. It just means mm-hmm. we don't, we don't want to, we want to bend over backwards not to lead the witness. But um, if you've got theories and you've still got him not throwing anything into the hopper, you can throw some things into the hopper and see if he endorses any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he endorses one, then the conversation can go on from there. Mm-hmm. That well, generically, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, generically, that might be what I would really try next. Getting, yeah, I think that's great. I mean, and I, I, I feel like I have several things to try, so I'm, I'm really happy to try them, and we'll see. I really appreciate it. You, know, you are welcome to call back any time. In fact, great. I would encourage you to call back after you do this because we love to hear. Uh, I love to hear, as do many people who listen, what happened. Did it did it help? Um, mm-hmm. Did we get any additional information that might lead us to at least a different way of doing things, even if we didn't get as far as we'd hoped? Um, mm-hmm. So do feel free to call in um, and let us know what happened. Thank you very, very much. Really appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks for calling. All right. Thanks. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, always a challenge when kids won't talk. Um, and so often, you know, I don't like to put it won't talk. Um, we just didn't get the information we were looking for. Now we need to figure out why. Um, you know, among the usual top, you know, I got this list of reasons that kids don't talk and things that we can do about it. Um, sometimes they really don't know the answer to what you're asking. Um, and some kids don't say, I don't know. Sometimes they just go silent. Sometimes they run out of the room. Um, Sometimes they think they're in trouble. Um, Lots of different reasons that kids don't talk. I mean, generically, not specific to this particular case, some kids don't trust that this is any different than all the plan A they've had previously. I wasn't getting a strong vibe on that from the mom who we were just talking to, but it's a possibility. Um, Lots of different reasons. So we'll see what happens. Maybe our mom will call back and let us know what happens. Shall we turn our attention to some email? It looks like we're going to have some time to do some emails today. Let's see uh, how many we can get done here. Um, Here's one. Dr. Green, the explosive child floored me. This is our situation exactly. And frankly, after years of books and strategies and dabbling in this or that approach, we, my children six and three, Invited a qua- invented a quasi-plan ABC approach in this house on our own. Cool. It was an organic development when it was clear conventional rewards and punishments did nothing when vapor lock, the term that I used to use for describing when kids are starting to get heated up, is on the horizon or has already begun. My ideas about what would work for us were just starting to coalesce when somebody handed me your book. What an affirmation. Great. My specific question, and maybe this is addressed on your website, um, what's your advice for telling the world what is going on in our house with my son? Not at school yet, but maybe soon. Uh, I noticed, uh, hold on, specifically outside of any diagnostic terms that I might be able to procure, what language is effective in getting across what my son is all about to friends, to family, to school eventually? Thank you for your email. Great questions. Um, You know, I greatly prefer 
talking in terms of lagging skills and unsolved problems. I um as people who listen to this program frequently and know my work, I'm not a big diagnosis fan. I'm not allergic to them, so I'm glad you're asking for something besides diagnoses. I don't think diagnoses give you much information at all about the most important things. What skills is this kid lacking? And under what conditions uh, is he exhibiting behaviors that we're not too keen on? Those conditions are called unsolved problems. So in terms of describing your son to people at school or to anybody else, what I'd probably do is download from the Lives in the Balance website a copy of the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. You'll find it in the paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website. And um, go through it and figure out what skills your son is lacking. Uh, and of course, the, the ALSEP doesn't have this on this, but you, you'd also want to explain to people who don't know your son his great qualities as well. Um, the reason the ALSEP doesn't have great qualities on it, even though people do view collaborative problem solving as a strength-based approach, I think it's viewed as a strength-based approach because it's not a punitive approach. So I guess, you know, I guess anything not punitive is strength-based. But my, my attitude has always been: kids aren't challenging because of their strengths, generally speaking. They're challenging because of their lagging skills. And I think that's a very good way to describe your son to people. What skills is he lacking? And here's why that's important. I find that when we start describing kids in terms of lagging skills, then a lot of the conventional approaches to trying to alter their behavior, especially rewarding and punishing, stop making a great deal of sense because they well, those rewarding punish procedures wouldn't teach the child any of the skills he's lacking. And if you move on and identify very specific unsolved problems that are interfering for a child and setting in motion is challenging episodes, well, it becomes crystal clear that those unsolved problems wouldn't be addressed well with a reward and punishment program either. That's how I would tell people about your son. Don't forget to leave out the wonderful qualities as well, um, but that's how I'd probably go about doing it. Hope that's helpful. Uh, next email. Dr. Green, a lot of your advice makes sense and has made me realize that my husband and I are trying to solve problems related to our 10-year-old son backwards. That is, we've been focused more on his behavior and less on making sure he develops the life skills that will help him behave better. I made a list of the skills which my son is lacking, and I'm thinking about ways to help him learn those skills. Here's the question I have. If our son is now lacking the skills to effectively do things that normal kids don't struggle with, normals in quotes, how can my son learn those skills if he doesn't seem to have the ability to do so? He keeps making the same mistakes over and over. He's bright, despite the fact that he doesn't seem to be. His school grades are good, even though he doesn't put in much effort outside of class. His teacher has said he participates well in class discussions, and he's performing above grade level in science and social studies. How do my husband and I bridge the gap to teach our son's our son skills he lacks interest in learning? Well, very interesting question. Um, first of all, the, the pat answer is that when you're solving problems in a certain way, collaboratively, you are simultaneously teaching kids the skills they're lacking. You're not teaching any 
lagging skills by solving problems unilaterally. That's plan A. It's not going to teach any lacking skills. You're not solving any problems using plan C because plan C is when you're dropping an unsolved problem completely, at least for now. But you are teaching a lot of the lagging skills in the lagging skill section of the ELSA by solving problems collaboratively. Now here's my big question. Now there's the pat answer. Uh, I'm reading and hearing that he lacks interest in learning and that he's lacking the skills to effectively do things that normal kids don't struggle with. Once again, normal is in quotes. But then I'm reading. Um, his school grades are good. He participates well in class discussions. He's performing above grade level in science and social studies. I'm trying to figure out what unsolved problems we're working on. It's a little vague for me. Um, I'm not exactly sure what unsolved problems are setting in motion challenging behaviors. You're indicating that you'd like him to behave better, but I'm not sure what it is exactly that we're working on. Um, I'm not exactly sure what difficulties your son is exhibiting that normal kids don't struggle with. So I'm hearing that he's struggling, but I'm not understanding exactly how. And this brings up a very important point. If we don't identify very specific unsolved problems, then we don't know what we're working on. And I'm running into that here. I don't know what we're working on because I haven't read anything specific enough to raise it with your son. But now you've got the answer. How do I teach skills to challenging kids? Generally speaking, not in a direct fashion. Generally speaking, in an indirect fashion by solving problems collaboratively. So now you've got an important task ahead of you. One, same as with the earlier emailer. Um, it does sound like you've already downloaded the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems from the Lives in a Balance website. If you haven't, it's in the paperwork section. Sounds like you have a good handle on your son's lagging skills. So I'm not exactly sure what those are. But let's say you've been explicit about what those are. The next goal is to be explicit about his unsolved problems. Because most of his lagging skills are going to be taught by solving problems collaboratively. We're going to have to have a much clearer sense, much more specific sense about exactly what those unsolved problems are. Is, is homework an unsolved problem? You mentioned that he's not getting much done outside of school. I'm just guessing here. Does that mean homework is an unsolved problem? Um, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I could guess for the rest of the program, but... If you want to email back, uh, check out the unsolved problems section of the ELSIP and let me know what specific unsolved problems you'd like to be working with your son on. Don't, not poor motivation. That's too vague. Um, not, he's not as energetic as we would like on schoolwork. Mm, still too vague. Something really specific that we could work on. Hope that helps. Next email. Well, we're making making our way through some emails here, and let me just check the switchboard. No callers, so we're just going to plow ahead here. Um, here we go. Uh, Dr. Green, 
uh, I am an occupational therapist seeing a three-year-old who is on the autism spectrum at home. He has few words and phrases. He holds it together and is calm at preschool, but at home has regular meltdowns, often due to low frustration tolerances. 16-month-old little brother often gets knocked down, kicked, or hurt in the process, or he will try to hurt mum. Uh, other times we don't know why he tantrums and we are working on predictability and routine and a good range of things to occupy him and trialing sensory strategies. It's hard to manage the meltdowns with both little boys needing attention. Teachers are saying to mum to use time out. I think that's laying a battleground. However, it is a black and white strategy that is clear cut than by seemingly than a seemingly wishy washy strategy of looking for reasons and trying to teach alternative responses. Your book doesn't cover what to do before children can enter discussions. Can you give some ideas on this, please? Delighted, but, um, well, he has few words and phrases, and I'm going to take that at face value that a typical Plan B discussion is not going to be possible, but I don't know if I should take that at face value, but I'm I'm going to. Um, But here's a part that's missing, and I've been... uh, perhaps hitting hard on this today. Um, Regular meltdowns, often due to low frustration tolerance, uh, I need specifics. Uh, And I understand, I I get where he is on the spectrum of looking bad, and yes, low frustration tolerance is a lagging skill. I've got got at least one lagging skill here. I'm hearing that he's on the autism spectrum, so I'm assuming that there are other lagging skills as well coming into play. I I want more specificity on what those are. And I've got the spectrum of looking bad. His little brother gets knocked down and kicked or hurt in the process, or or the three-year-old will try to hurt mom. All right, now here's the key line. We don't know why he tantrums. Well, I need to know why he tantrums. We need a list of highly specific unsolved problems, these specific conditions in which he's tantruming. Tantruming tells me what he's doing, but it doesn't tell me when, with whom, over what, why he's doing it. That's what I need to know to start working on problems with him. But without that list, I'm working on something very vague, tantrums, trying to hurt mum. Not that those aren't, not that those are good things, those are not good things, but those things are happening under highly specific conditions. We need to figure out what those conditions are. Those are unsolved problems. We need to make a list. And then then I'm ready to start thinking about how are we going to start solving those problems with him. Time out, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, time out is just something we do after the fact, reactively, emergently, after he's done something that we don't like. But without knowing when he's doing things that we don't like. My attitude is we've got nothing to work on. We, we might think we're working on something with timeout. We might think we're working on something with stickers or points or tokens, but we're, we're using those strategies primarily in response to behaviors. And collaborative problem solving focuses on unsolved problems, solving problems so those challenging behaviors don't occur in the first place. So we're rewinding the tape. We're, we're starting earlier in the process. We're not using interventions once a kid is already looking bad. We're using interventions to keep him from looking bad in the first place. Now, what does that require? That requires a list of unsolved problems. 
and that requires trying to find ways to solve those problems with the child. Then, well, there's other radio programs that we've done here, and so I would direct you um, entire programs that I've done on how to do how to solve problems collaboratively with kids who have no words or can't participate in the linguistic give and take of solving problems collaboratively. But I can't get to that point until I have a highly specific list of unsolved problems to work on. And then once I've got that list, um, I'd go to the listening library for collaborative problem solving at home. I think there's a few on collaborative problem solving at school and see if we can um, start solving problems with them, sometimes without words. First, we need to know what problems we're working on. Then we can start solving them. I think we have time for one more email. Let me find one here that we could... Here we go. Uh, Dr. Green, I just found your website last night and was up quite late reading, watching, and listening. Good for you. This Plan B approach makes so much sense to me. Good. I hope I can do it. Uh, don't get discouraged if it doesn't go well the first few times. I have two questions about lagging skills. Number one, I didn't see much about teaching these skills as I read. I would assume as a parent goes through the ingredients of Plan B and works on the unsolved problems, the skills are learned by the kid over time, correct? Correct. You're teaching skills when you're solving problems collaboratively. Number two, I feel I personally still have lagging skills as an adult, such as frustration, tolerance, and problem solving that I have been trying to correct and struggle with. I feel I can go through the ingredients of Plan B just fine, but I have doubts about teaching skills I myself might not really have. Thoughts? I do have some thoughts on that. Uh, it is not uncommon for adults to be lacking some of the same skills as the kids they're trying to help. It's not unusual for adults to be lacking different skills that are making frustration tolerance and flexibility and adaptability and problem solving hard for them, just not the same lagging skills as the child. Um, everybody learns those skills by doing plan B. But I'll say this. You want to do it, you want to make it proactive plan B 99.9% .9 of the time because if, if you're lacking frustration, tolerance, and problem-solving skills, you are putting yourself in a real tough position. And your child as well, who I'm reading, is, is your daughter. Um, your daughter as well, because you've added some ingredients that are going to make it much harder. Heat, as in the heat of the moment, and being in a rush. That's not going to bring out the best in either of you. That's right. Dealing with life in the heat of the moment is when we would see lagging skills coming back to haunt both of you. Let's do this proactively and put you both at the best advantage possible. Let's do it under calm, planned circumstances so that both of you are in the best position to solve problems together. And here's the cool part. Once those problems start getting solved and you find yourself dealing with life less and less in the heat of the moment, whatever skills you're lacking aren't going to be so glaring because you've turned life into a much more proactive enterprise. You've turned problem solving into a proactive enterprise. As I've already said, those lagging skills are especially going to come into play when you're dealing with life in the heat of the moment. 
So your biggest challenge will be to try to create a list of unsolved problems, decide which ones you're working on and which ones you're not. The ones you're not, that's plan C. The ones you are, that's plan B. And start solving problems collaboratively. And you're both going to learn a lot of skills that way. Thank you very much for your email. And I think that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank all of you who listened in. Those of you who emailed, thanks for your questions. Uh, to our caller, thank you for calling in. We hope we hear from you again. And um, we're going to be back with another collaborative problem solving at home next week. I hope you'll listen in then, either live or to the archives. Keep those questions coming. And um, I hope you have a good week. Talk to you next week.